Welcome to this episode of the Level Design Podcast, in which we look at the world of game development through the lens of level design. This week, I have the pleasure of talking to Jamie Deegan, who's joining me to talk about Hell Screen. Hi, Jamie. Hi, I like that. I, you know, I've never really thought about how to say Hell Screen, but yeah. I, think, I think you nailed it. There. Yeah, you have to have the, the trade oh, Hell yeah. Screen. Yeah, yeah. Which is an awesome game. It, uh, it looks awesome. I mean. Thank you. Yeah. If it plays like crap, no one cares. But no, yeah, as long as it looks good, right? It looks you know, great. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, that's yeah, great. So, so, how would you describe Hellswing? Like a first-person shooter? Uh, yeah, so I would describe it as a kind of uh, well, it's a retro-flavored first-person shooter with a rear-view mirror. I mean, that's right. kind of the elevator pitch, but it's got like elements of like a Metroidvania in there. Like I mean, part it of design. Looks fast pace. I mean, look it is very. I mean, it's very fast. Yeah, yeah. and but I'm, I'm I'm trying to kind of keep an element of strategy in there. Okay. Like you would like you would with Doom, right? Where right. you would sort of like pick which targets you want to go mm -hmm. for based on how dangerous they are to you. And I'm sort of playing around a lot with like um, different weapons affect different enemies in different ways, and they you use them in certain ways as well. Mm -hmm. So. Um, so yeah, it's definitely inspired by Doom. There's elements of like Alien Trilogy, which is an old PS1 right, game. Right, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like more recently, kind of like I've really been inspired by Dusk in the Medieval. They're doing some really right. interesting stuff. Yeah, like, I, I've, I've been hearing about Dusk, but I haven't had a chance to look at it. I mean, this, oh, it's great. I mean, yeah. like sort of the thing that sort of strikes me about those games is just the level design. Right. Like the level design. Like I, I play those games for research. Yeah. Um, oh well, we all play the game for research. Right. Yeah. Right, quote. Right. Quote. You know. Um, but uh, like the level design, especially in medieval, is like I'm, I'm making notes all the time. You know. They really, they really, they really just strike something in me where I'm like, wow, I need to do more of that in my thing. Right. And one of the, 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 I mean, there's many memories I have of Doom and Doom Two from playing them. I, I bought them in the shop in in one in floppies, and I think that one had a CD. Um, the one lasting memory that I've had of Doom is going into a room and shooting a barrel that killed a few imps that then started shooting that pissed off the demigod the, mm. the, the, the hell knights and then they started shooting and then like the door closed I came back in five minutes later and I think there was like one man standing yeah yeah or one monster standing yeah. you know yeah well I mean I think that's one of the things I've tried to do with Hellscreen is because all of the enemies in the game so far are these kind of creature-like things, I do want to build on this idea of a bit of an ecosystem. So right. There's definitely an element of like creatures kind of, they will attack each other if they get in the way of fire and all that, mm -hmm. but like I kind of want to think of if you just kind of stop and wait, you will see them do little things. Like they'll just, I mean, they'll just be, it makes me just on a path, but like it will give the sensation of like each creature's doing a role in this overall Thing because that the hell screen is a, diff, a, a, a giant machine of which you're in, so okay, you're, you're fighting the environment as much as the characters in it, but the mm. characters in it are part of that ecosystem, okay? Wow, you see what I mean? So, like, they're all they're all you know, harvesting souls or, or, or like consuming flesh and all that to kind of fuel the usual hell mission. stuff, the usual hell stuff, you know, mm. you know, so um, so that's kind of what I'm going for with, with the characters, but I mean, like. I haven't shown a lot of the environment stuff yet in the way that you kind of fight that as well because I haven't made it yet. Right. But like, there is going to be an element of you kind of manipulating the environment and kind of attacking that and you being aware of the environment as much as the creatures within it. Okay. You know. So like, so the environment being another player or another 
part of your tactic. Yeah, I mean, it, it's more it's more the enemy than the actual characters. I mean, okay. it, it's, it's especially sort of narratively speaking. Mm -hmm. um, but like, the, the immediate threat will be from these creatures, but, but there'll be things popping out of walls like turrets and things like that, which right. are they're, they're biomechanical as well. They'll mm. they'll seem like creatures in their own right, but they'll feel like they'll feel like sort of ants under a rock, to use that analogy, right? They'll be living in part of the level, mm -hmm. popping out, doing something and shooting you or, or whatever in there. So they'll be part of the enemy system as well as the environment system, That's if that makes sense. Well, hopefully. We'll, we'll have to wait to play, right? Oh, right, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and if, if, Hope so, fingers crossed. Yeah. If uh, pl people out there have a chance, they should go and uh, follow you on Twitter because, like, the, the gifts that you've been sharing are incredible. They're just... Thank you, yeah. I've, been, I've, been, I've worried I've been d overdoing it with the gifts, actually. No, I mean... I spent, like, a week in just posting stuff and... Yeah, you should keep on doing that. That's, yeah. that's, I, I think that's what drives, like, okay, now I get it, and if you like it, that's that's going to be your yeah, jam, right? Yeah, I think especially because like I haven't got like a marketing budget or anything like that. So the only real way I can do it for now is through these constant updates. You know, I still try and do other things like uh, you know engage with other communities and like just show show people the game and all that sort of thing. But mm -hmm. for now, until until things change a little bit, like this is like, just a good way for me to get the word out. Um, it's also a, a, one of the things that. For example, Weather Factory have been doing that. They're Carter Simulator. They talk a lot about this um, open development and yeah. showing people like yeah, and, they're, and they're, they're killing it as well. I mean, like sort of. I see a lot of I don't like using the word content, but content coming out, and it's mm. it's always like compelling stuff. Yeah, you know, like they, 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 I think open development is very interesting and maybe even like necessary because I feel like we're in a place where. Uh, there's a bit of a like developer slash audience divide. Right. And I think there can be a lot of toxicity from the audience towards the developers. Via marketing, right? Because yeah, they're being sold yeah. something that the, the, the Yeah, ones. and I think I think it'd be it would really help for people, players, to see developers as people, not just some machine or non entity, right? You know, so But also I mean I don't have that much experience with, with the developer audience stuff but it, from seeing it if they can see where you're going with with the gifts that you're posting like okay so like if we went back in history and saw like this dev build yeah you're not yeah. promising anything you're saying like, this is one building and they see it changed yeah then and they can see the reasons why as as they grow along yeah. with, the, with the product the expectations have been met and, and well, shown, I, right? I mean so so what I found is because I, I initially put um, I put our screen on Kickstarter okay and it I mean it didn't do that well I think it maybe made 15 or 20 percent but it, it was such a useful learning experience because one thing that I found was that like people like they either write it off completely or they're interested like it never really felt there was anything in the middle, in the middle apart from why is there a rear view mirror like that was that was the one question that kept coming up. But like generally, like I, I feel the game is pretty art driven because I'm an artist by, mm. you know, in the industry for the last however many years, and I think that the, the, the look of it, like either people are like, wow, this looks great, or this looks like shit. Sorry, can I swear? It's all right. We'll yeah. you out. Yeah, yeah, cool, great. Um, it looks like shit, shit or whatever, and it's and it's sort of like people don't see past that kind of that first initial veneer sometimes. Right, and I think that's kind of unfortunate. I'm, I'm working on on a game at the moment, and we'll be which we need to talk about later on. Yeah, we'll have to talk about later on out of this podcast. Yeah, 
Um, and some of the, the, the art that we've got is kind of from the previous versions of the game, which I didn't work on. A lot of the stuff that I'm developing at the moment don't look sexy. Mm. It's a lot of block out levels, which, you know, it's not a screenshot Saturday material. Yeah, right, right. It's, right. It's, but it's great for the, for the narrative. It's great for, for me to show to the environment artists to go like, all right, yeah, okay, we get what we need to build here. Yeah. So I've, I'm, I'm on two different sides on the open development thing. It's like, yeah, totally, if you're doing beautiful stuff. But if I'm doing a mechanic in which you pick something up, yeah, well, I suppose there ends up being a point of it, like in the development process where you can talk about it, but it's theory up until a point where people see it or play it, right? Right. And that, then it becomes like this real tangible thing. And because, you know, I mean, I talked about, I've talked to friends about various game ideas for ages and ages and ages. I've not really done anything with it, but like with Hellscreen, that was the first thing where I'm like, okay, I'm going to pitch my flag on this. It's going to be the thing that I mm -hmm. use to get me out there as a developer. Okay. Right? Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, because. I'd, I'd, I'd wanted to like make my games for a long time, but as an artist, I wasn't that tech savvy. And then, what are you building it in? So I'm building it in Playmaker okay. in, in Unity, and that's changed everything. Cause yeah. It just means I can just make it, and well, I can make it, you know, right, yeah. no, which was never an, a possibility for me before, because I was never, I never had the time or the patience to really sit through and learn code as well as logic. But Playmaker allows me to do both yeah. at the same time, you know? I, I, I used Playmaker a while back when I started uh, learning game making. Yeah. Uh, that's a functional state machine type stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And th that's awesome because it, like, that's stopping you having to code. Yeah. And I, I'm a coder, but I'm not going to judge other yeah. people because I can't code. Right? It's, it's, it's funny because I, 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 for a while, I was sort of like, oh, I'm not really coding. And I guess you, you're kind of not. And it, But I really was sort of worried about it. Like, will people see this as a real game? I don't think people care how the burger's made anyway. But like, I, I would speak to like some programmers that I really respect and they'd be like, it's fine. Like, you're making a game. Like, right. And I, I guess it, sort of, it comes down to that question of why are you making the game? I'm making the game because I want to make the game, not to learn programming. Right? right? Do you know exactly, what I mean? So. Yeah. And also one thing that I should clarify is that programming is solving a problem. Yeah. Now you can solve it with the one tool that you know, which might be that one language that you know how to write in, or you can be open to any 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 tool in your toolbox. Yeah. Yeah. You've found another tool in your toolbox. Solve that problem yeah. with that tool, right? Uh, if you become a master of that tool, the only problem can be them being judged that you only know how to use that tool. But yeah. you're making a game. You're making an yeah. awesome game. I do have to ask, though, why the rear views? All oh, right. Okay. So um, I this this has been like a kind of an idea just gestating for a while, right? Because like I am terrible at multiplayer first-person shooter games. Okay. Um, I remember playing like Quake for at uni, and I was okay, but like. I remember playing. I used to get my ass beat. Oh so my god! Yeah, I mean, there was there were so many players that had grown up with PCs, and I had, but not in the same kind of like twitchy game kind right. of thing, right? I never played anything online, and I remember talking to someone. I think it was my mate Charlie um, about like the thing that annoyed me about first-person shooter games was it felt like I think I've been playing Star Wars Battlefront as well, or okay. something like that. And I, I remember thinking it felt like the first person to see. The other person would win, right? If it if it came into your screen, 
Yeah, they yeah. saw me. Oh, I can't get around. Oh, they've shot. I'm dead. Great. And I, I just remember thinking, like, especially I'm not in, in con console games. Yeah, right? yeah, because especially like, in console because games because your turn rate is like yeah. so little. Yeah. If you're, if you're, I mean, if you're playing like a split screen multiplayer with other console players, that's that is much better for me because I guess you're on the same kind of yeah. playing field. But I think the thing with like you know you're playing a first person shooter multiplayer game online with a PC, and I just maybe I mean obviously I wasn't that good, but it was also like. Oh, they've seen me. I'm dead. I've been shooting at them. Mm. But they if they already at... saw you, they've already had a. It's that. It reminds me of that thing of like why well, you should never light a cigarette, three cigarettes with uh, three matches. Or right. Whatever. Okay. Do, that, do you know what I'm talking no. about? No. <laughs> so when I smoked, it was very unlucky to to light three cigarettes with the same match. Right. Okay. Because the first cigarette, the sniper spotted you. The second cigarette, they're getting a bead on it, and the third cigarette that you light that sparks up. The that's, that's the giveaway, yeah, yeah. The, right? That's that, really interesting. So it was always unlucky to light, light three cigarettes. Yeah. But this isn't kind of a weird tangent, but, you know, this is the same thing. It's like yeah. if they spot you, they're already getting yeah. a, that 200 millisecond, uh, you know, uh, step forward to be able to, to aim at you. Yeah, yeah. And by the time you turn around, you've got 200 milliseconds to turn around. Yeah. Try to aim, try to center the, the reticule on them, and they've already shot you. Yeah. So I mean that that I mean that would happen a lot, and you know that was one of my frustrations. But I, know, I sort of felt a little bit left out and excluded. But then I, I was just I was just thinking about this quote unquote problem. Mm. It's not really a problem. I just need to get better at the game. But like, and I was like, oh, like a rear view mirror. And initially, I I thought of it as being like something that would be on either side for some right. reason. Okay, like, but yeah, I guess that's side. what you would do with a field of view anyway, right? You make your field of view wider. Wider, yeah. Um, and then it just, this idea of doing a rear view mirror just popped in my mind and I thought it was kind of funny and I said to a few people about it and it came off as like a joke and I thought like, I'm going to stick this in a prototype that I was working on because I was teaching myself Playmaker and I was essentially making a Game Boy D-make of Devil Daggers. Okay. So that's how Hellscreen started, it was like, I'm going to try and do something like that just to teach myself and I put in the rear view mirror and I put in a few weapon, well a weapon, made it feel nice and I was like, oh this could be its own thing. And I'd always wanted, I had this idea of doing like a kind of Geiger-style Doom game right. from when I was 16 anyway. Yeah, Dark Seed, did you ever see the game Dark Seed? No. Oh wow, that's a... Wait, that, this must be, I've heard of that. Yeah, it's a, a huge Is it like a point-and-click type It's a point-and-click. Yeah, I think was, I've seen this, yeah. It was, I'm not sure if it was designed by Geiger, but they used a lot, yeah. like 90% of his work. Yeah, I mean, you, you see Geiger's stuff pop up in a lot of like games in the 90s, like... Um, it's not Devil Crush. Alien Crush, which is a pinball game. I think it was an Amiga thing. Okay. Um, it's heavy on the Geiger stuff. Um, well, yeah, the, the 90s Geiger owned. Yeah. I mean, but the thing is that, because Geiger stuff looks really good in pixel art. Right, yeah, yeah. And that was kind of, I like the idea of doing something like retro flavoured that was like kind of pixelated but had that Geiger thing. Mm. And that's kind of what I always imagined this game before it became Hellscreen would look like. It would be, it would be Geiger in the Doom engine. Right, right? and I'm like, that's, that's, that to me is compelling. Like, I, I love that look. There were some mods for Doom that I played which was like Alien yeah. Doom, right? Yeah. Which they, they, they ripped all the sounds, I mean, I don't know what, what Well, they, yeah, they ripped it from Alien Trilogy, right? Was it? No, yeah, so, so, so there's, oh, so there, right, so there was a Doom mod which was Doom Aliens, which I mean, that's that's really old. Um, that's the one that I played. Yeah, I'm really old. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I think oh, within the last five years, I can't remember exactly when someone made another Aliens mod for Doom, and 
maybe someone else ripped all the sprites and the sounds and the weapon graphics from Alien Trilogy and put them in. And I'm still yet to play it, but I really do want to play it. Yeah, there was some like amazing stuff. Like for example, all the barrels became um, eggs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they did this uh, very interesting way of, you know, like the alien goop. Yeah. That 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 the resin that they had to like, yeah. pull away, that 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 hide aliens and, that, and man, I, I shot myself. Back yeah. That was yeah. Oh, that that mod was like amazing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, going back to but I mean, like, the thing is, like, the thing is, all the alien games, like, it's weird because, like, we've got Alien Isolation. Yeah. And I really want to play it, but I don't like scary games. That's super scary, man. And it's super scary. Yeah. But, like, I really. Turn the volume down and then, like, yeah, whatever. Oh, I yeah. think that'll make it worse. Because like, if You're I can't just hear something. Corridors, no, <laughs> no, I don't think I could. But, I mean, like, I, I was always a big fan of the Alien shoot em up games that came out. Like, right. I didn't even mind Alien Colonial Marines, and it wasn't the perfect. Only, but the, the, thing, the only thing that really. The two things that bugged me about that game was the pulse rifle that you love. Like that's what you wanted to yeah. put in your fire, right? And the sound on it was terrible. Yeah, it was. Um, and after firing you know what? It for and a I'm minutes, I'm a stickler for those, particularly with those set of weapons. If they don't sound or look right, I'm kind of out. Yeah, right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I think it sounded okay, but it was just it felt like you're playing that loop that like you yeah. didn't have enough of the sound ranges. And even in the, in the film, they'd got one sample of it and they just played it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was horrible sound and. The other one was that, give me a chance, buddy, right? I know yeah. that Alien's meant to be super powerful, but if you make all the environment super dark, which is great for a movie, yeah. and I'm being attacked by aliens, I can't get a beat on them. Yeah. So I can't fight Well, it, it's, it's interesting because I, I was talking to a friend... Um, but the rest of it looked great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I was, talk I was talking to a friend about, like, the actual Alien... We've really gone off a tangent, but I'm sure I'll loop back around. Yeah. Like, the Alien films, we were talking about, like they should just kind of stop making them for a while because there's not really a lot you can do with it anymore, right? right? And I was like, well, the only way you'd sort of kind of make it interesting is like with a radically new environment, mm. which they've kind of done not really worked. They tried to do it in three. I mean, three... For, see, I really like three. I know it's not popular with a lot of people, but like, I, I love the look of it. We're gonna lose a lot of listeners now because I'm also a big fan of it. But when it was being made, there was like eight scripts before yeah. it was made. Have you, yeah, I'm guessing you've seen the, like the making of with... Uh, well, All the directors and stuff. Yeah. Before it got made, I had one of the scripts. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, so I had the William Gibson script that's now been made. Is this, is this the Wooden Planet one? Uh, no, that no, was no, someone no, else. No, that's somebody else. That was Vincent, so, someone or other. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't on another planet. It was like them going back. So Hicks and Ripley and yeah. Newt dies, if I remember right. But right. they all get back. No, yeah. So it was like it was basically aliens on Earth. Yeah. So that was the next logical step of yeah. aliens, right? So you had like. An individual ship, a planet that's not Earth with a few humans, and then the alien makes it back to Earth. That's the, mm. the logical yeah. progression, right? But then we went, we went, well, let's no, let's go to a prison planet. And you go like, well, we did this with... Yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry, listeners, we've just gone on an yeah. alien I mean, my, uh, I guess what I was getting to is there was, there's a point in Alien vs. Predator, which, oh. like, the 2013, I want to say, came out, and there was a level where, um, basically, it was an alien hive, but in, like, a club... <laughs> and right. then, so, and they start swarming, and there's this like music playing, and there's these lights going. It's a little bit much, but I'm like, hey, this is kind of cool because I've not seen that before, right? right? It was sort of a bit like the club scene at a blade, yeah, being okay, like that yeah. iconic scene, but with aliens, and you're in the middle of the club, and I'm like, hey, this is cool. Yeah, 
Well, th th that's one where we're going like we could have strobes all over the place. Yeah, it was like that. It, yeah. it was a bit much. Well, but uh, the idea of it was great, games. right? I guess you can't do that in games, you know, like putting strobes in. Into, yeah, God, into a yeah. level that would just kill, like, no, that would just no audience. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. You know, too much for the eyes, I guess. So before you were doing Hell Screen, like you worked on other games, right? So, oh yes. Yeah. So I, I mean, I worked in games for I think I'm like in there ten years now, working primarily as like an environment artist, okay. 3D environment artist. But like more recently, you've been doing things more like uh, shaders, VFX, okay. that kind of like a little bit more technical. I'm not I'm not a technical artist, but I'm more technical than the average artist, you know, whatever that really, means. I think it's really interesting listening to job descriptions in uh, in games because it really depends which studio you're at, yeah, or what scale you're at, yeah. Because I can be lead level designer in one place, and then you go somewhere else, and you're like, oh yeah, no, no. You cannot touch any of the gameplay. Yeah. Yeah, no, but that's my job. That's my role. Yeah, in I mean, I, I've definitely not got jobs because I didn't understand what the job was, right? In, in the sense of like, oh, I went for a company, I went for a, a phone interview with a company, and I was like, oh, it's for a, a senior artist role, and I was talking to them, and it turned out that actually it was more of a lead thing, or it was the other way around. I can't, can't remember what it was, but I remember thinking, there's been a miscommunication here because we're using the same terms for different things. Right. And I'd actually seem too experienced for a role that in any other company, I was not perfect for, but right for, right? Okay. And, um, and that was kind of weird. I, I found it kind of interesting talking to different people in the industry. It just seems to vary a little bit. Yeah. You know, and, and there's quite, quite a wide range in, in, in stuff. Yeah. You, you might talk to people and go, oh yeah, no, that's a X, Y, Z role. And yeah. like, but is it though? Yeah, I mean, the other thing is, is that like I'm, this is kind of, I'm going to absolutely contradict myself now, but like I, I'm not, I'm not massive, I'm a bit not anti-corporate, but I get a bit bored of it sometimes. And, but I also don't like flat hierarchy companies either. Yeah, the, the Steam model. Yeah, the, because I feel like they generally. The Valve model. Yeah, say. right. Because I like, generally I feel like they, flat hierarchy is just a way to generally not pay people as much as they're worth. Right. And okay. also like. Those companies inevitably, for the most part, absolutely have a hierarchy. And when they promise this kind of idea that everyone gets to say, every, anyone can come up with the idea and it just doesn't happen, I think you're killing a bit of passion there right. or a bit of enthusiasm. It might be like whoever's the loudest. Yeah. Got the yeah. Or like whoever's got the biggest ego, you know? Yeah. Can push it through. I don't know. It, it, the, the flat hierarchy always sounds good on paper. Yeah. And I'm sure it can work, but like, I, 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 I've worked at. I've worked at a place before where there was clear hierarchy, but everyone did get a say, and everyone, if it was a good idea, it was just a good idea. But it was actually executed that way rather than being told in the interview or on a website, this is how we work. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It just was that way, and people felt comfortable. And, and even if you could tell that someone wasn't comfortable, you made sure that they got the floor for a little bit just to make sure that if they did want to contribute, they could. One of the things that we found, and that's the, 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 how this podcast has actually taken off was that we did a panel at EGX Res, which listeners know about because that's why they're listening to this podcast if you go to episode one but a lot of the questions instead of saying like all right now we've done a panel we're now going to take questions from the audience we said actually we'll use a Diplo um, a website called dip.lo uh, and you've got a you can put in questions beforehand mm -hmm. 
So as you're doing a talk, people put questions and people can upvote those questions. Oh, right. And what's interesting is then you go like, oh, here's the questions in order of upvotes, right? Um, and that makes it a little bit more egalitarian because people say, yeah, no, that was a question I was going to ask. And you get less of the, well, this is less of a question, more of a statement type. Yeah, see, I hate that. I, I switch off when that stuff happens. Right, like, because it's like, oh, well, look, they're the ones that are doing the talk. They're yeah. the ones that prepared for it. Anyway. That I'll get off my horse on that one. But what was interesting is that then you get a lot, it allows people that normally wouldn't ask questions to ask a question. Right, yeah. Um, so that's how this podcast was, was kind of born because it actually, we had more questions than we could answer in the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that should be used a lot more for, for, for those questions, but also like in companies, how do, you, how do you do that? How do you like, the people that don't feel comfortable shouting i guess i mean i'm not asking you to answer it no i mean but it's it's worth thinking about because you know at some point i hope to work with other people maybe have a small studio or company whether it's a remote thing i don't know but i guess like i think you've just got to make sure that you know like you make sure that people know Mm -hmm. that they've got a voice and they get a chance to to put it to put it out and if you see someone speaking over someone or generally being a little bit of a spanner in the the works you have a conversation with them about it and yeah. and you know and I, I, I is that what a suggestion box is for do they even get used anymore because like to me the idea of printing right. in a suggestion box is like you're commenting on something you shouldn't be it feels right. like a bit of a oh I don't know if I should have done that kind of thing well I mean I mean and people can tweet us and tell us their suggestions but uh, at level design FM uh, that's our Twitter we actually managed to get a Twitter account after getting blocked for being yeah I remember that that wasn't yeah. that long ago was it yeah so like I thought hey great let's make a tw- Twitter account uh, <laughs> nope <laughs> nope and it's because uh, I put the date of the recording and they go oh, no you're under 13 years old it's like no I'm not yeah but right the, the, the account is the yeah. business is but or whatever you want to say but anyway um, so how are you approaching I mean you're, you're environment artist by by yeah, I guess that's the phrase I used it earlier. Yeah. Um, how are you pushing the level design on this? Because we've had some chats about. This. Yeah, we have. Um, so very slowly. Um, like I've. So I, I, I've. I, I'm still learning. I feel like a massive beginner, right, when it comes to level design. But what I'm trying to do is get something down, play through it, work out what the theme of the level is. Mm based on the shapes that I've already made, and then kind of redo that to fit something that I want. So I was working on a level which I wanted, I knew I wanted this kind of, it's corridor, sorry. Um, This is what I wanted to lead the player to this room, and this room was gonna have these giant ring shapes, because I just like that shape, I thought that was cool. And there was gonna be kind of these lava pools everywhere, and there's gonna be like streams kind of coming vertically down. And I was like, oh, this looks like a refinery. Well, I'm working on a texture set, which is kind of like a refinery. So great, that can go in there. And then I wanted, decided that I wanted the entire wall of this massive area to open out because I want to play with scale. I right. want the player to feel small. Okay, like yeah. this thing's this big, like this living kind of thing, right? And then I did that and it started designing itself once I knew that I wanted, it started from that space of, I want to, the player to move around and that feel nice. 
And once I decided that I wanted these rings, it sort of designed itself a little bit. And I was like, well, I can need the player here because I have pipes going there, and this will be like a kind of a, a secret door once this lava stops flowing. It just kind of started writing itself. But as I've sort of read up more about like level design and because I read that you should design your theme first, I started doing a few experiments. So one of the things I did was after your talk on corridors, I was like, I wonder if I can do a level which is like a corridor, mm -hmm. but is fun, right? Right. And it ended up being less of it. It was like A to B, straight line. Well, that's not interesting. They ended up in this spiral. And, and I still don't know if it's fun yet. But like one thing that I decided after that was in Hellscreen that I would have novelty levels. Okay. Right. Cool. So because I mean, and, and hell, uh, hell, I mean, Doom and, and a lot of other games have got yeah. the, these these these. Uh, um, I'm trying to remember. There's a great level in Quake, and it had a castle in the middle of a cave. Yeah. You know, like yeah. from an environment after you're like, why is there a castle yeah, in the middle right. of a cave? Right. Because it looks yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Totally. I mean, that's. That's it. Like I, I definitely want iconic shots. Like I, I want, I want, I want, I want breaks in the pace of the game where you'll be, there'll be carnage, everything will be going down, and then you can just take a moment just to chill out, and, and those will be the vista moments, right? Where it's like, oh, well, here's yeah. a vista of this planet or world that you're on, this dimension, you know, isn't that cool? Now I can go and kill some more stuff, yeah. you know. <laughs> but like, so the way the way I'm building levels is because. Because it's got this Metroidvania thing, there'll be small chunks of level that you basically warp to. Okay. And as you unlock weapons which act as keys for certain doors, because if you shoot them a certain way, they open, you will... That's a great mechanic. Yeah, I know, right? That like, makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not to blow my trouble, I was like, hey, that's, that's a good idea. But what, what do we have to have three things when you have two things? Yeah, well, because right? one of the design principles I wanted was that like the game should use... It should be simplified. And I wanted to double down on the gun thing. I was like, well my guns can open the doors. I was like, oh, that's cool. Certain guns can only open certain doors. And as long as I signal that correctly, the minute someone gets a rocket launcher, they're like, oh, I remember that door back in that other level right. over there. I can instantly warp there, open it. Now I've got access to more kills, which is the currency. Okay, so it ended up being this loop of like, get gun, open door to new level, kill more things, loop. I was like, that's really tight. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And the fun comes from, working out the best way to kill these things, working out where these doors are, and working out how to use these weapons in different ways. Right. See what I mean? Well, it's a rock, paper, stone loop, right? It's like... Yeah, you know, kind of, a, yeah well, you sort of... There's, you, you see like various diagrams, like Vlambeer do it all the time, where it's sort of like, you've got a mechanic, it allows you to do a certain thing, you upgrade that certain thing, so you can do more of that mechanic. Right. And it was, and it was cool. And once I started layering that with these other systems, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, it's doubling down on the old school 90s thing of I just want to shoot shit but it actually adds a bit of depth with the Metroidvania side of it right because okay. then because then you're like the minute you get a new weapon it makes everything more exciting because you know that you've opened up a whole new section of the game yeah it's like you've unlocked like a new play style in a way yeah oh totally yeah, yeah. I, haven't seen, I haven't seen the weapons in, uh, in there's Hell's probably screen, about but... there's probably about six or seven I think okay um, and there's like but even if, even if, if, if you don't have these, so excuse me if I'm jumping in, but sure. if you have a machine gun versus bazooka, right? Yeah. You've got like different play styles. Of, well, like, yeah, especially because like the way you use the weapons, uh, like aside from the fact that you can fire most weapons behind you in the oh, rearview mirror, right. right? So you can, you can be walking along, 
run away from something, press the right mouse button, you'll be shooting behind you, right? Oh, sweet. But like, so one of the things I've got is that like the pistol, if you tap the button, you'll shoot faster. I mean, that's a standard thing, right? But like another one is if with the rocket launcher, if you click and hold, you tag all these, like tag oh, right, the enemies, you let go, it's a swarm kind of missile thing. But if you just tap it once, it will fire at a larger rocket, like in Doom, like the kind of standard. Oh, okay, thing. Right. So each each weapon's basically got an alternative fire, mm -hmm. as well as the fire behind you thing. And how much of the gameplay is like behind you? Well, uh, so there's enemies that you can only see in the rearview mirror. Oh. There's rooms that are completely black in the main view, but in the rear view you can see them. And because you can enlarge the rearview mirror, if you press like control, the rearview mirror kind of takes up half the screen, so that you can sort of navigate rooms. Okay, no, get but backwards. walking backwards it's kind of weird but again I would never have like loads of combat in that because that would be too much yeah, yeah. so that would be like oh you're in a, a bit of a weird labyrinth cool you can yeah, yeah. reverse your way through it right um, I've, you know I, this is my nightmare I, I suck at driving backwards yeah it? right <laughs> so I mean, I'm, I mean I might even toy with the idea of having it so the controls reverse I'm not oh, demo yeah. that cause, but then I think it's just like having playing the game in reverse but not I don't know. So those are those are things I'm going to be playing with once I get it in front of players. Yeah. To see how they feel with it, you know. When do you think you're going to get it in front? Of players? Oh, I mean, I've been saying in a couple of months for about two years. Right. right. <laughs> um, but I, I'm getting to the point now where it's it's enough of what I consider my vision to uh, to show to people and not expect them to fill in the blanks. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Instead of like saying, "Oh, there'll be a." a Door here, yeah, like, yeah. This, this would open this door. Like, no, no, open that door. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely because because I've got a demo that I want to get ready for like publisher interested mm -hmm. people. You know, I definitely want like a couple of environments, a couple of weapons. But this, I was actually thinking about this. It's going to come a point where I'm going to be start showing, going to start to show less on Twitter as I want to keep some things a bit of a surprise. Yeah, but right? I, I think that's where your your tough uh, choice is going to come in. It's like, you yeah. have to keep on showing stuff on Twitter because you want to get. All the people following it. Yeah. Um, but you also want to like hide a lot of the yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, who was it? I'm trying to remember. I think it was Mike Bithell did in. I'm gonna get the wrong. Subsurface circular. He said like, "Hey guys, stream all you want, all, all the way up to like uh, chapter three or something right. like that." Yeah. Um, but please don't ruin anything from here onwards. Yeah. That might have to be your your guiding principle. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, I, I don't mind... All these other things that I will show. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I don't mind about... I guess I don't mind about spoilers so much. It's more, I don't want to... Because I, I feel like people will find spoilers if they want to find them, Yeah, right? I, don't think, I don't mean it by spoilers. It'll be more like these are the bits that... Especially in pre-production. Because once, once it's out there, it's out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you're going for publishers, it's like you still have to keep the people that are going to be buying it, that are possibly buying it, yeah. showing it, enjoying it. Yeah. But publishers, you want to say like, ah, oh, yeah, but this is the, the, the real yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess what I'd end up doing when I do pitch it to a publisher is I'd have, here's the game, you can play it, it's how it feels like, but also here's maybe some concept art or a storyboard of, yeah. here are some cool narrative beats that I'll be like, whoa. I think those are the things you want to hide, right? Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, where can people check out Hellscreen? Uh, they can check it out on uh, Hellscreen underscore game on Twitter. Okay. Um, that's you, the that's the sort of game account. To follow okay. more sort of like day-to-day -day stuff on what I'm doing, my Twitter handle's at UK underscore resistant. And they can tweet you and ask you questions all about the game. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Environment art and design. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Yeah. Uh, You can email or, well, you can email us if you like, but that's so retro. You can tweet us at leveldesignfm or show at leveldesign.fm. And hope you've enjoyed the show. Thank you very much. Bye.